Today's Advent Scriptures, I'm going to read a little bit from Matthew. I'm going to read a little bit from Luke. Um, it's going to be a hybrid uh, of the, the pieces of the Christmas story. So I'll start in Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary's mother was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man because he did not want to humiliate her or she could be killed for such things, right? He decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And now from the book of Luke. In those days, during the birth of Jesus, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since, since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. Surprise! She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the town. Because the Magi were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. When Herod found out the Magi had fooled him, he grew very angry. He sent soldiers to kill all the children in Bethlehem and in all the surrounding territory who were two years old and younger, according to the time that he had learned from the Magi. When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, Joseph, take your child and mother and escape to Egypt. Another surprise. Go, go be refugees in Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took Jesus and Mary and went to Egypt. They stayed there until Herod died. So today's Advent virtue, this week's virtue we're going to celebrate is peace. We light the candle of peace and we're going to talk about peace. And peace is a difficult thing. There's, it's multifaceted. We, we can talk about peace like internal peace. There's peace in our relationships, peace in my relationship with my wife, my children, my co-workers. There's peace in terms of our planet. Peace in terms of violent systems, war, famine, economic inequality. Peace from the very personal to the very global. We call Jesus the Prince of Peace. We pray for peace on earth. We long to have peace in our hearts. And I can't talk about every aspect, but I, I want to focus on the peace that we might find as individuals. And I want to start here because I truly believe, 
We could get rid of every weapon, our nuclear arsenals, we, we could send it all to the moon, but without peace in our hearts, we would just develop new weapons and we would find new areas of conflict. Because most of the violence in our relationships and our world stem from, as DJ said, the inability to sit quietly in a room with ourselves without having to run from the anxiety and the fear and the anger that we often feel. So let's start with a sense of internal peace, but I don't have peace. I don't know about you, but I rarely have peace in my heart. And so I want us to think about Christian virtues, the way we think of any skill, the way we think about learning a new language or learning to play an instrument or learning uh, an athletic skill or learning to drive. But if we want to cultivate peace, we're going to have to practice a lot. And we're going to need a team, a community, a church to love us and to show grace with us and to hold us accountable and, and to do this together, not alone. But it's not going to happen by me wishing to have peace. It's not going to happen by me wanting it. I'm going to have to actually do things that cultivate peace because it just doesn't come naturally. And as a dad, I've realized peace doesn't really come naturally to the human condition. I, I look at my two children. I have an eight-year-old daughter, Nina. I have a 12-year-old son, Sullivan. And neither of my children have peace. I mean, sometimes I'm sure they do, but I was just talking with Nina, who now when she's in a room by herself, like in the kitchen or in a room, I, rem I don't know if you remember as a kid, but she'll get that deep feeling of fear, almost like an adrenaline rush, like she's alone and she just starts to feel afraid. She's not even sure why. She can't really articulate it. And my son, Sullivan, like such a wonderful kid, but he deals with anxiety. He gets stressed and is very anxious about school, about friendships and other things and he'll recognize it now he'll say I'm feeling anxious and I'm not sure why and I as a dad I look at that and I think oh I want them to have peace I want them to feel loved but it, it just doesn't come natural for humans it's just not part of the human condition to have this come naturally to us even in a home where both of them are deeply loved and they are safe and secure they still have the, the they're afflicted with the human condition so, we want peace. It's not natural to us. I think we're going to have to really work at it. Maybe to start, we'll look at Scripture. So, I want you to think about the Advent virtues for a minute. Hope, peace, joy, love. I want you to think about the Christmas story for a minute. What about the Christmas story speaks of peace. A teenager gets pregnant and she's not married. That is terrifying. Mary could be killed. Certainly Joseph's going to leave her. She was not fit to be married to any other man. She will be alone, economically vulnerable and otherwise. Where is their peace? Herod is killing children two years and younger. Jesus is in direct threat of the most powerful person in the region. Where is their peace? They flee to Egypt as refugees. Joseph has to leave his business, his in income, his family, everything he knows. Mary has to do the same. 
Where is their peace? I mean, just think about it from Joseph's perspective for a minute. Just think about Joseph. He's engaged to Mary. In a dream, God's like, Mary's pregnant. <laughs> Say what? Right? Oh, no, no, don't worry, Joseph. The baby is God's. <laughs> uh, come again? Uh, peace? Then he has a dream that Herod's trying to kill Jesus. So they got to get up and flee. I mean, at some point, if I was Joseph, I'd never go to sleep. If these are the dreams I'm having, this, this is like worse than any nightmare I've had, right? And yet, in spite of all of this, Advent calls us to peace. So often in my life, I think to myself, oh, once the holidays are over and uh, all the presents are bought and families visited and things are done, then I'll have peace. Once I get that job I'm looking for, once I get some economic stability, once my kids get out of diapers, once then. Because in my mind, peace is about my circumstances. In my mind, peace happens only when things line up. And Scripture says, Joe, you've got it all wrong. God invites you to have peace in the midst of chaos. I'm so sorry, I can hear somebody. Would, would everyone make sure that they are muted for me? I want peace to come as a result of circumstance. But God says, Joe, I offer you peace that transcends all circumstances. You can have peace and be Mary. You can have peace and be Joseph. You can have peace in the midst of incredible chaos. If you would just trust me, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And when I hear that, when I hear about peace that's not about my circumstances, uh, my heart leaps. I long for this. If you're anything like me, though, the million-dollar question is, how? How? What would that be like? How would I even go about pursuing that? How do I control the fact that my life is so often filled with anxiety and guilt and shame? I, I don't seem to control that. How could I control the fact that I am bitter and have a hard time forgiving? But I am nervous about my health and about my finances. Like, how can I have peace when the world seems totally out of control and I'm powerless to stop it? What would that even mean? So I want to give some suggestions. I want to try to answer this question a little bit. Not a complete answer, a partial answer. What would peace in the midst of chaos mean? So here's my first suggestion to you and to myself, really. Peace is not the absence of conflict. We just have to get this out of our mind. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace only occurs when we address the conflict that's already present. Peace only occurs when we address the conflict already present. So think about a marriage. I could just not address the conflict in our marriage, the frustration I have, the anger my wife's feeling. We could just pretend it doesn't exist and there would be peace. There would be no conflict. Good night, good night. We roll over, we go to sleep. Both of us harboring patterns of like dishonesty, distrust, frustration. But that's not peace, not really. 
That's just the absence of conflict. If I'm going to have peace in my marriage, my wife and I are going to have to address the conflict present. The things that are difficult in our relationship and in our lives. We have to share and be transparent and deeply engage that. If you've ever gone to a protest, there's almost always a sign that says, no justice, no peace. You want peace, but we can't have that if there's injustice reigning. You can't have peace in the midst of racial injustice, economic injustice, violence and oppression. Peace only comes when we address the conflict that's happening. Well, if I want peace and you want peace in my heart and in my soul, deep to my bones, then I have to address the conflict inside of me. I'm going to have to slow down long enough to recognize that I have a lot of feelings, many of which are stories in my head that are not even true, but I tell myself them over and over again, and that I'm going to have to address the conflict present inside of me. I'm going to have to take that conflict, that dis-ease, and I'm going to have to find a way to give that to God. But if I'm going to do that, I have to simplify my life. I have to slow down. I have to really be mindful. I have to pray. I have to do the things in my life that connect me to God so that that internal turmoil that I experience regularly can be transferred into a kind of trust. Address the conflict already present in your heart. I'll give a second suggestion if we want peace, a practice, right? Think about your life and the things that you do. And I want you to think about them like seeds planted in the soil where I spend my time, where I spend my money, where my desires lie. These are all seeds. And then I want you to ask, which seeds in your life do you water? Which do you give sunlight? Which do you give attention to? Those are the seeds that are going to grow in your garden. For me, watching the news water seeds of anger and anxiety. Why do I do that then? For me, right, when I fill my life with too many things, which is often the case, they can all be good things, but there's so many of them, I'm watering seeds of anxiety. And the more I do, by the way, the more I feel like I'll never be able to do enough because that's where I find my worth. I just water those seeds of inadequacy. Where do you spend your time, your attention? What are you watering? I pray that we might begin to simplify and remove things from our lives that do not bring peace, that we might emphasize those things that do. I'll give another practice that might help you, right? That might bring us peace this holiday season. Think, meditate on those things that you cannot control which is like 95% of our lives I have no control over. I'm going to have to find a way to hand those things to God. I can't control this. So the worry I feel, the anxiety I feel, the anger I feel is unwarranted. I give those to God. That I might spend time on the 5% of the things I can control like, Joe, where are you spending your time? And 
What's your attitude like right now? And are you actually practicing things like hope and peace? How do you respond to people in your life? I can control those things. But I spend most of my time worrying about things I can't control, like the choices my kids make, <laughs> which I can't control. I can control how I love them, that I spend time with them, that I'm present to them, but I can't control their choices or their happiness or their lack of peace. What would it look like if we took time this Christmas season to pursue peace rather than shopping and bustling and running around and feeling inadequate every minute of the day and we took time to really pray, to breathe, to read, to walk in nature, to sing, to sing with our whole heart, to not just have Christmas music on in the back, but to really find those places that really fill our soul, bring us joy, and fill our hearts with peace. That's my prayer for you. This is my prayer for me. We want peace in the world. I want peace in the world. And it starts in our hearts. So we're going to go and pursue the communion table. So if you have your elements, you can take a minute to grab those. It's interesting, right? We celebrate the Eucharist. We celebrate the bread and the wine. But this is a reminder of Christ's pain. Christ's death. Selfless love. Broken. Poured out for the world for, in forgiveness and in healing. To remind us but if I want peace, I have to forgive. I have to let go of my anger. I have to pursue reconciliation with those in my life that are difficult, right? That, that, that peace comes with forgiveness. That real peace comes when I confess to other people how I'm feeling, what I'm doing and left when I'm leaving undone. Think about the moments in your life where you felt like a hundred pounds was lifted from your shoulders. You know those times where you're like, Oh, I just feel like a ton of bricks has been unloaded. It's usually when we've said something. We've confessed. We've said, I need you. I love you. I need your forgiveness. I've got to forgive someone else. And those moments, right, are often moments where we have to let go of that pain. The communion table is this reminder that whatever we fear and whatever we're anxious about, it's unwarranted because God has overcome even death, even a brutal death on the cross, that that does not get the last word, that I truly have nothing to fear. I am set free to love in a, in a way that is, is selfless, in a way where I'm broken and poured out for others. And to do that is to feel that weight come off. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread. He broke it. He gave thanks to you and then gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you have bread, take and eat. And then Jesus took a cup, gave thanks to you, said to his disciples, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If you have your cup, you can take a drink.
And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves up in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.